0: Black Lives Matter was founded in 2013 by three Black women organizers in the United States in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murderer, George Zimmerman. However, since Alicia Garza, Patrice Kalours, and Opal Tometi founded the organization, the support for what the BLM organization stands for has skyrocketed into a global anti-racism movement centering Black liberation, political involvement, and safety. Today. We're following the Black Lives Matter movement to the United Kingdom, where an anti-racism activist, business owner, and mother of two is lying in a hospital fighting for her life after being shot at a birthday party in South London. Join me as we discuss the shooting of the Black Panther of Oxford, Sasha Johnson. I'm Tamara Hill, and welcome to Right the Wrong, a podcast for people who love true crime care about understanding the world, and care even more for the people who fight to make that world better. This episode may contain language, scenarios, and situations that aren't suitable for all audiences. Please prioritize yourself while you listen. A lead anti-racism and Black Lives Matter protester in London, Sasha Johnson is no stranger to threats on her life. And still, She remained present and loyal to the cause of anti-racism, black liberation, and black political and economic development. Those closest to her professionally and personally call her fearless, strong, and powerful. Sasha is considered a radical figure in the area that's well-known, loved by many, and it seems to be disliked or hated by just as many. Opponents call her a black supremacist, a racist, and a plethora of other gut-wrenching names and slurs online. Her opponents largely cite a tweet that she allegedly pinned to her profile on Twitter, endorsing the enslavement of white men. Though that account has since been proven to be someone else impersonating Sasha, this piece of misinformation remains fact for many. Sasha graduated from Ruskin College in Oxford with a degree in community development and youth work, but she has long been an organizer who worked in community activism and engagement. Sasha refers to herself as an activist and freedom fighter, working to unite the people on the journey to liberation, which is still her Instagram bio. It's there, at the Sasha Johnson. You can also track her activism over the years. Involved in various protests and movements, including Black Lives Matter, a 2020 Million Man March, and the anti-colonial Rhodes Must Fall protest to remove the statue of Cecil Rhodes from Oriel College, Oxford, She rose to the top of British headlines in 2020 for advocating for the creation of a race offenders registry, which would have prevented people accused of racism from living or working in or near communities with large BIPOC populations. In interviews, like the one she gave to Oxshire Youth in 2020, she speaks with joy and purpose concerning her children, her mission to end community hunger, and her cafe, the Oxford Kitchen, which serves cuisine from the island to the motherland. Sasha further explains in this interview that a priority of Oxford Kitchen is to be an extension of the BLM movement and to create spaces and institutions for Black development. As such, Oxford Kitchen employs young Black people and refugees and provides free food to those in need every week. It's in this part of my research that the hatred and racism Sasha faced by the disagreeing British public is glaring. The Oxford Kitchen's Facebook page has an obvious juxtaposition of reviews. Those that went to the restaurant and had a great experience versus those that are leaving abysmal ratings. Leaving it at a 1.6 out of 5 stars. Sasha explained in a media post that those she calls the right wing had found the page and were intent on plummeting the ratings. And it seems like that's what most of these ratings are aiming to do. Some of the worst include racist tropes about Black people's personal hygiene, references to Sasha as a gorilla or reviews admitting that their low rating is in response to her community work and political involvement. These racist and aggressive threats do not only exist for Sasha online, but in physical, life-threatening ways as well. Sasha's personal assistant, Andy Morris, explained in an October 2021 press conference that Sasha regularly wore a stab-proof vest. While the Taking Initiative Party, which Sasha is a founding member of, stated in a statement published on Instagram that Sasha has received multiple death threats, had her car vandalized and window smashed, and her megaphone stolen. Her megaphone being stolen is a tip that the car vandalism was a response to her activism, because it was the only thing stolen from the car that day, and Sasha took it with her to every protest she participated in. Images of the megaphone have been heavily photographed and published by media outlets, meaning that stealing it is a very symbolic gesture. About four weeks after her car was vandalized, Sasha would attend a birthday party that would change the life of her and her young children forever. According to multiple sources, on Sunday, May third, twenty 2021, Sasha and around 30 other guests were attending a backyard birthday party in southeast London. Around 3 a.m., four men crashed the party by entering through a side entrance, and confusion and confrontation broke out. Then one of the men took out a gun, shot one person in the foot, shot Sasha in the head, and then ran. All of the men were gone by the time police arrived at the scene, and Sasha was rushed to the hospital. Time passed with no answers until May 26th, 23 days after the shooting. It was then that police arrested five males, ages 17, 18, 19, 25, and 28. According to a statement made by the Metropolitan Police, those arrested were charged with different crimes. The 17 year old was arrested on suspicion of possessing an offensive weapon and possession with the intent to supply Class A drugs. The men, ages 18, 19, and 28, were arrested on suspicion of group fighting and possession with intent to supply Class B drugs. And the 25-year-old was arrested on suspicion of group fighting and failing to stop for the police. According to the reporting done by the Daily Mail, two days later, four of the suspects were released on bail, while the fifth suspect, 18-year-old Cameron DeRiggs of Bromley Hill, was charged with conspiracy to commit murder. Between DeRiggs being charged and June 16th, three more men were arrested and charged with conspiracy to murder, including 19-year-old Devontae Brown, 20-year-old Troy Reed, and 25-year-old Prince Dixon. On December 21st, these four men appeared virtually at the Centre Criminal Court of England and Wales. There, all four men pled not guilty to charges of conspiracy to murder and possession of a firearm and ammunition with the intent to endanger life. There hasn't been any further information released to the public regarding the men's motives or they're not guilty pleas. But all four are being held in custody. The next hearing is scheduled for this year, on February 21st, and their trial is set for March 7th of this year as well. Miraculously, Sasha survived the attack and was hospitalized in critical condition where she's remained ever since. And this brings us up to speed on why I'm telling you about Sasha's story today. Because there is some major debate going on about whether the shooting of Sasha is a case of wrong place, wrong time, or a hit on one of the most prolific and controversial black activists in the United Kingdom in recent memory. The Metro Police in London stand by their position that Sasha was not the intended target of the attack and that she was struck by accident. Imarn Aitin, an activist who the BBC reported as a friend of Sasha's, echoed the sentiment, telling the BBC that she did not believe Sasha was the intended victim and that as far as she was aware, quote, this incident is more related to rival gangs as opposed to her activism. And public and media opinions seem to support that notion, as the four men charged in Sasha's shooting are black men. And this case has been portrayed by the UK media and opponents of BLM as a case of black-on-black crime. The Taking Initiative Party, which Sasha worked extremely close with, defends that the police do not have adequate information and have not pursued the death threats that Sasha received enough to make an informed decision on what was the cause of this attack. They also defend that Imarn isn't as close to Sasha as the media portrays and that she should not have been making statements publicly concerning the investigation to begin with. I'd like to read excerpts from two May statements from TIP. You can read the full statements on their Instagram page at TakingTheInitiative, and they also say they're available on their website. I think their statements perfectly articulate where they're coming from and can provide more insight into the differing perspectives in this case. From the first statement on May 25th of 2021, Ultimately, it appears as though the Met Police are exercising damage control by underestimating the severity of this incident. Firstly, by insinuating that Sasha's activism and involvement with taking the Initiative Party and the BLM movement is not the cause of this incident. However, they have no evidence to show otherwise. We are appalled by the dismissive tone of the Met Police statement and urge them to take this incident seriously and see it for what it is, an attempt of murder. The statement that there is nothing to suggest that Sasha was not the victim of a targeted attack is is entirely presumptuous. Not taking into account that a bullet being shot into someone's head is entirely too accurate and precise to be an accidental shot. Charles Gordon, a founder of TIP, has said regardless of whether she was the intended victim, she clearly was the victim. We believe that the police's statement regarding Sasha not being the intended victim is an attempt to pacify the hundreds of thousands of people around the world that are infuriated by this attack. Next a statement from the Taking Initiative Party on May 27th of 2021, titled, Statement Following Met Police Arrest of Five Men. Whilst the Met police appear to be making progress investigating Sasha's attempted murder, our concerns are that they are simply using individuals in the community as scapegoats for a crime they potentially did not commit. We have had inside sources inform us that the police have made no door-to-door inquiries in the area following the shooting. We are also concerned that they have made no attempt at this yet have arrested five individuals after claiming that there were only four attackers on suspicion of attempted murder with no valid evidence. We find it ridiculous that one of these five men were arrested on suspicion of attempted murder purely due to a fray and allegedly refusing to stop for the police. How does this warrant an arrest for suspicion of attempted murder on this basis? We feel that whilst the police are making these arrests on invalidated precedents, they could be better spending their time investigating the aspects of this case that could actually direct them to the criminals responsible. We also feel as though arresting these individuals on this basis and highlighting that they were carrying drugs with intent to supply is subliminally suggesting that this is a gang-related crime as opposed to an attempt of murder. This majorly concerns us as we cannot allow for more individuals in our communities to fall as victims of crime and not get the justice they deserve, whilst other members of the community are getting accused of crimes they did not commit purely because they fit the quote profile. We urge the police to take responsibility. Take this crime seriously and investigate adequately. Since this is an ongoing case, I hope to provide updates as new information becomes available and the trial proceedings reach a conclusion. I hope to be reporting on Sasha's full recovery at some point soon as well. But at this point, there are more questions than answers. Was Sasha in the wrong place at the wrong time? If she was, who was actually the intended target of the shooting at the birthday party? These men are being charged with conspiracy to murder, so what are the details of said conspiracy? And if Sasha was truly the intended target, why? Why follow her to that birthday party? Why would these seemingly unconnected black men want to hurt Sasha? And the most troubling question to me is, what if they were just hired hands after all? And someone really wanted Sasha dead so badly, they put a hit on her life. Although I don't know the answers to any of those questions, I do know Sasha, her family, and her cause deserve our time and attention. Sasha is a human rights defender, an activist, an organizer. Yes, of course, all of those things. But she's also a daughter, a mother, a business owner, and a chef. To the people who know and love her, she's known to give food and money to those who are in need and homeless on the streets of London. Her Instagram is full of pictures and videos of a powerful young woman who loved fashion, food, her culture, and her kids. In that interview I mentioned earlier with Oxfordshire Youth, she talked about how the way her sons have been treated as young black boys was her inspiration for becoming involved in social justice. Like many defenders, her passion for movement began at home, driven by the experiences of those she cared about and wanting to make the world a better place for them and herself. While doing research for this episode, I came across some truly vile things said about Sasha Online. Between YouTube and Twitter... I lost track of how many comments I saw, wishing for her death, praising the shooter, reprimanding the shooter for not delivering a kill shot, and a lot of other terrible racist remarks. Although I don't know the answer to any of the questions I asked before, I do know Sasha and her family don't deserve that. The last update I can find on Sasha's condition is from the press update Andy Morris gave, where he described that she is still in a comatose state, stable, responding to touch and other stimuli but otherwise still in a very serious condition. And of course, times are rough for those that love Sasha. Real quick, I just want to note that there is some discrepancy in source material about whether or not Sasha has two or three children. But in statements by her mother and Andy, they say Sasha has two sons. So that's what I'm going to assume is correct. Her mother and two children have been left devastated by this tragedy, with no idea when or how it will end. There are a few ways to support Sasha while she recovers, and we wait for the trial of her assailants to begin. First, there's a GoFundMe set up by Marvina Newton on behalf of Ilette Dolling, Sasha's mother. Andy Morris and Company confirmed in an interview with Street Mike that it is the official GoFundMe page for Sasha and her family, and that the funds are being used to care for her sons and any medical attention she receives that needs covered. Second, you can look into the Taking Initiative Party in the United Kingdom keeping in mind that this is not a political endorsement. They continue to do community-centered advocacy and are gearing up for their election season. Andy Morris is a founding member of the party with a long career in activism, and he's actually running for local council this election cycle. Though the party may not align with your political stances and you may not be a voter in the UK, they are still a leading source to look to for updates concerning Sasha and civil social rights in the UK. They also started the hashtag... Pray for Sasha Johnson, which you can use to engage with Sasha's story on social media. Finally, if you are listening or know anything about Sasha's case, please get in touch with the Metro Police. The details to leave domestic or international tips will be available in our show notes, but if you don't want to look there, you can also just go to www.met.police.uk and look through their contact information. Until next time, I'll sign off with a statement that Sasha is known to use frequently. Death to ego, and all power to the people. This podcast is researched, scripted, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Tamara Hill. A full list of source material is available at rightthewrongpodcast.blogspot.com, and that link is also in the episode description box. Special thanks to the co-editor and musical producer, Cy the Savage, for our theme music. If you liked this episode, like, subscribe, or leave a review. I read all of your comments, and it helps other future fans find the show. The artwork for Right the Wrong includes a graphic called the Universal Logo for Human Rights. This logo was created by Prejax de of Serbia. The logo is open to be used by anyone at no cost to promote and protect human rights. Read more about and get access to this logo at the United Nations Office for the High Commissioner of Human Rights website. I'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. Until then, you can find the show on Instagram at RightTheWrongPodcast, or you can use the hashtag RightTheWrongForHumanRights to engage further. Thank you for joining me on this journey to highlight the power of people and the power of us all.